Well, hello and welcome to the Gyanban Experience, a simple podcast in the complex world of the wobbly, woke, and the wise. Think of it as a slow burn podcast with a carousel of experiences which surround us each day, with deep insights on topics ranging from facts to fiction, reality to entertainment, and society to culture. This is your one-stop shop. for a sanity check in this mad world so if you're here for the first time congratulations give yourself a pat on the back and thank you for choosing clarity over cacophony if you need more clarity simply scroll down to hear more such episodes and things will become clear to you if you like what you hear then don't share with those who don't care and if you're a regular thank you for tuning in you are the reason we do this I'm your host GB and you're listening to the Gyanban experience. Well, hello and welcome to this new experience, the matchmaking masala. No, it's not a cuisine, it's not a project, it is a way of life. It is the way the Indian marriage ecosystem works. For the uninitiated, Indian matchmaking is a web series being aired on Netflix which addresses the age-old practice of having two random strangers meet as an alliance for a prospective marriage proposition. Safe to say it has opened up a Pandora's box. You know, Twitter is outraged. Articles are being written. Why? Because the liberals have found a new voice against the conservatives they are accusing of the misogyny the stereotypical nature of arranged marriage and the compromise in so many aspects of it on the other hand the conservatives are responding with either nonchalance or a thumping acceptance saying well if it didn't work for you too bad it is working just fine for us so netflix must be thinking wow we've hit jackpot you know with the matchmaking web series and i won't blame them it has existed for centuries which is not surprising but what is is that it continues to man- manifest even in this modern generation last checked it's 2020 admittedly not a great year to start the decade as a great example but what really has changed as a society which say did not exist in the last decade is the question we need to understand so let's assume for the moment at a simple level that conservatives are those who say i or say yes to the concept of arranged marriages and say the liberals are against it or against the concept and yes there are other variants but let me get to them in a bit so in this experience i will share three sides to the matchmaking arranged marriage scenario the conservative point of view the liberal point of view and of course the neutral point of view as fellow evolvers we need to weigh in all sides of the story before finding our own inner voice or sentiment that's the idea but before we dive in let me begin with an aha moment that i experienced many years ago Let me begin with a quick story. Uh we were about three friends and uh, there was this the fourth friend who was very different from us. So the three of us were the typical serious you know trying to be more mature than than our age would warrant but 
we were the serious types and there was this the fourth person who was the quintessential bollywood hero as it were the cheesy 90s hero you know mouthing film dialogues and so on and so forth so he was the extrovert and the rest of the three were more introvertish and so all of us were dating three wonderful ladies and with the full intent that you know you would eventually go on to marry them therefore the parents and the families were introduced and so on and so forth that yes once we get into finish our education get into work eventually we would like to settle down with such wonderful ladies great this other person the fourth one he never had any such ideas or intention he was very clear that for me permanency is not my thing and so and he lived like that till one day he bumped into this shy petite um demure introverted quiet kind of girl and we all advised him this is not your type of person right so leave her alone she is really a nice decent person and deserves a much better human being than what you are clearly he was not going to listen he went on to woo her for a long period of time uh, in fact he got so frustrated by the inattentiveness uh, or the no response from the lady that one day he came and said to me that look you know i'm getting frustrated i would i won't, I, i will have to run away with her i was like are you crazy why would you want to run away with her she wouldn't come with a guy like me otherwise so then why wouldn't you change says i can't change i'm the way i am and clearly so Uh, these were the 90s not like the crazy 2000s or 2020s we are in right now uh, and and so we gave him a dressing down and said reminded him of the family the decent family that he comes from and how education is more important and is the career is more important and somehow the conversation you know ended there now fast forward 10 years later uh, i was at the airport lounge and i met this fourth gentleman the other guy at the airport and after the initial aha and surprises and pleasantries were exchanged my jaws dropped you know why it was the same girl with her and i was like looking at him with complete shock and he interrupted me and said no i didn't run away with her uh we actually married and touch wood we have a happy marriage we have a kid now and <laughs> life is good and i was like wow how did that happen anyways i was happy for him and before i could uh, you know go any further he asked me so what happened to you guys i mean how are the the girls that you guys were dating and that's when it struck me that all the three of us never got married to the girls we thought we would and he was this guy who we thought that he would never marry this girl eventually is married to her and touch wood very happy so that day i learned a very valuable lesson in life that there are no patterns when it comes to human emotions when it comes to relationships and there are no templates to follow so that was a big aha moment for me now i know this is a vast topic and very difficult to compress years and years of data anecdotes examples into a small capsule of 20 or 30 minutes so what i'll try and do is give you high level overviews across five big points number 
the compromise. We'll talk a little bit about how arranged marriages and compromises go together and therefore what is the liberal point of view for that. Point number two, the marriage of convenience. What does that mean? Why do two people get together focusing more on the convenience aspect of it rather than the partnership aspect of it? Number three, the troubled waters. What happens when the proverbial shit hits the fan? And then how does the cookie crumble? We'll uh, spend a little time on the, on that aspect. Number four, the womankind. Yes, it's a patriarchal society, but what are the women? Think of your classical mother-in-law, daughter-in-law situations, sister-in-law, and what is the entire ecosystem or the women ecosystem talking about? And finally, we'll round it off with a little bit of the neutral point of view on the examples that I mentioned above. Hopefully, this should cover a broad overview on the matchmaking and the arranged marriage phenomena in India, which has lasted so many years. Arranged marriages are often criticized for the adjustments and compromises the partners have to make which in India is clearly and squarely resting on the woman's shoulders. Women are expected to adjust to the whims and fancies of the families they get married into and internalize their way of thinking and make it their own thinking. On the other hand, very few men compromise. Remember, it's still a patriarchal society. So why do most conservatives think that arranged marriages are great? Because for them, Adjusting, compromising is a practicality of life. And the question, is life possible if you don't be flexible? Can life exist without being adjusting? I mean, think of all those marriages where partners have been rigid. How did that turn out? So you compromise everywhere. So why not in marriage? You compromise in your business, your job, with your boss, what have you. What stops you from compromising in marriage? Yep, it could be one-sided, liberals argue. And then they say, do you want the marriage to work or not? It's like an unwritten rule. Man can adjust at work, the woman will have to adjust at home. They are both equally important roles, one and zero, binary, it's in harmony. So for those families who say their marriage is successful and credit a perfect arrangement, they are not the ones complaining at all. Do you know of any aircraft which reaches its destination without a rudder. Homemakers are the rudder of the aircraft. They guide the sansar, the world, the household for it to run smoothly, dodging turbulent weather and getting the family to the destination safely. And that's a critical skill, is it not? And we'll not get into the parenting and rearing up the child skill set that requires a separate talk completely. This is in addition to that. But clearly the liberals do not agree to this theory of compromise. So now the liberal is thinking, well, so you're thinking if if the wife is the rudder, rudder is at the back of the aircraft. So are you suggesting that the women should always follow the men? The men being in front by that analogy and design, you're saying the man is the pilot and the woman is the rudder at the back. Why should it not be the other way around? Conservatives are really agitated. They're saying... It doesn't work like that. Can there be two swords in one sheath? It's not possible. Somebody has to lead. Well, agreed, yes. But why not the woman, they ask. The woman can lead too, provided 
she's in a supporting role. That's what the conservatives say. So liberal asks, why not the woman in a leading role? And so you get the banter. This banter continues, you know, this one-upmanship continues in a never-ending way. The banter between liberals and conservatives, if you simplify it, is like those who think that this has worked for generations. So I don't think there is an express need for it to change. Yes, there are chances of failures as or risks, as is the case with any other option. And so the liberals will continue to defy this thought and say, look at this, you're not in shopper stop. You're not going to just say, okay, if I don't get this shape, size or color, then I'll go pick something else. And that suits my interest. So human being and emotions cannot be so materialistic as it were so tangibly calculated to match like a biodata to a biodata and so this is a never-ending conversation which stems around the concept of compromise marriage of convenience so it gives me the perfect segue into this segment you know the typical characteristics are tangible and clear both partners are evaluated from their utility standpoint the central question being, is this a viable deal? The marriage of convenience where two partners or two families, in India, of course, it's not a marriage between two individuals, but between two families, they evaluate each other of their utility and safety and viability in the society to check whether this alliance is favorable or not. The bride's family evaluates the prospective groom with a microscope including but not restricted to astrological check, background check, criminal record check. They even put detectives for people. Uh, fraud detection, finance check, and now social media check. Does he have weird friends? Uh, the subtext being, is the groom a good insurance? Is he a safe bet? He or his family. When I say he, I mean his family. Does he have a good bank balance, security, future potential to move to the United States or Europe or, you know, a developed economy for a better life? Or own multiple assets? Does he own a house or an apartment? If not already one, does he have the potential, the intention to buy one? Is he highly qualified? Is he an engineer, MBA, which is like also an insurance policy that he will forever be employed is the understanding. And of course, well-placed in the society. The groom's family is picky as well. It's not just one way, it's the other way as well. The groom's family, of course, they believe that their son is clearly God's gift to womankind. He is their cash cow. So the boys are reared up since childhood where they are fed to believe that they once they grow up, they are going to be the sole breadwinners of the family and take care of the family fortunes. And therefore, they ought to marry a girl which will come and help serve the family, integrate seamlessly into the family, who will serve the family well, who has or who is excellent in MKSS, is Maki Seva skills, or take care of the mother, uh, take care of the family lineage, be fertile, reproductive, preferably with a boy, and yet be subservient to the patriarchs of the family. So the groom gets picky as well. Think of it like a visit to the shopping mall. He evaluates prospective brides until he finds the right shape, size, color, family fit, enough finance, and three other or ten other such requests that he might have. The story is further interesting when they get married. Once they are married, the woman 
and the man settle into the utilitarian balance. What is the utilitarian balance? Is that the woman doesn't question the man as long as he is useful, his utility being that of a money generator and she the service provider. What's wrong with that arrangement? It's like saying, let us coexist in the society, show the world that we are one happy family and couple, but the subtext being, you do buy me the house and the car and some jewelry periodically, and if you die, then I do inherit your property and or insurance, as the case might be. Everybody is happy. You want a baby, preferably a boy, I will be the fertile reproductive woman that you want me to be. Bus or kya? Now go and earn money. Do your job as I did mine. Now, I know I put that very crudely. No matter how awkward it may sound, this is what works. And so the conservatives argue that would what else do you do? If you keep aside the ridiculousness of it all, could there be an amount of practicality in it? I mean, if you are a non-vegetarian, would you be comfortable marrying a vegetarian family into a vegetarian family? It's the bedrock of conflict and confusion. Or would you rather want an unsettled vagabond boy who has no future planned, who is clueless about what lies ahead? Would you want your daughter, sister, to get married into such a family, to such a man? Would you not ensure that your loved one is with a safe family, a well-to-do family, who is, you know, sane and not the weirdo kinds? Why would anyone knowingly allow their loved ones to go through any hardships at all? It's like their insurance policy. It covers material insurance, economic insurance, medical insurance, and real estate insurance, life insurance, of course. Uh, and of course... If there is anything else, then we can give you blessings by way of gold and money and don't want to call you know, don't want to spell it out as dowry, but then these are the gifts for the well-being of the groom and the bride. And so what could possibly be wrong with such an arrangement? It's a perfect utilitarian balance of two families. And therefore the struggle to find the right balance, therefore the arranged arranged marriage, where there are brokers who are finding the closest possible utilitarian balance which matches the other family. Now, do you see how the logic comfortably fits into this arrangement? The troubled waters. Clearly, there's a dark side to this. The trouble starts when this utility balance is skewed on one side. This is where the dark side of arranged marriages comes to light. It's when this utilitarian ask turns into extortion and demand ends in abuse. It is unregulated, unchecked largely, unbound. And when the ugly side of an arranged marriage crops up, there is no end to the bottom of the barrel. The demand turns into blackmail, threats, physical assault, and in many cases leads to death. Families stoop to such low levels which would put even the worst of criminals to shame. Women are treated as mere objects of purchase. So the arrangement starts to sound more like a transaction. And so before a purchase, is it not apt to check what you are about to buy? That seems to be the underlying sentiment. And so when a prospective groom's family visits the bride's family, women are asked to walk, sing, show their cooking skills, and of course display MKSS, Maki Seva skills to show ensure that this woman is perfectly well physically and 
can deliver the goods, be a good service provider to the family. That's the level of assessment. They're asked about their utility in the family, other than the money, of course, which they will bring anyways. That's all already assumed. And in turn, get insured lifelong by way of protection and a house to live in, eat for the rest of their mortal lives. Therefore, if you pass this test, the groom's family will oblige by allowing the alliance. Yet another anomaly is the groom's family often chooses a, by design a family which is lower in social status or financial status to theirs. This helps them maintain superiority at all times. This superiority is often displayed by way of boasting higher educational qualifications or wealth or physical attributes. For example, wheatish complexion is not preferred for a fair boy unless, of course, there is a decent return of investment. And so in a patriarchal society, it is incumbent upon the woman's family to show more value, to be more valuable. And so what's the best way of doing that? Give more money and therefore determine their value. And if you cannot do that, be silent forever. Be grateful that the groom has accepted you. What else did, did you expect? Which is why the worst mismatches are paired up despite this anomaly, despite this horrible practice. 50-year-old man getting hitched to a 20-year-old woman. There are cases where the groom is married off against the wishes of uh, against his own wishes simply to hide the fact that he is a homosexual and imagine the plight of the girl when she discovers that her husband is gay there is no way out it's to maintain the societal decorum it wasn't accepted until very recently but in the previous past for hundreds of years this has been the case and so there are the list is endless you know the grooms treat the prospective brides like objects and once they are married they continue the tradition for example they almost think of them as domestic helps like a maid except that they are not paid well by way not way by of salary they don't buy washing machines for example even if they can afford it mind you these are the people who are earning well they save money on why spend money on buying a washing machine, for example. Such is the rot in the system. They also think that if the woman gets pregnant, well, then the bride's family ought to take care of it. And therefore, they send her away to her parents' house for the duration of the pregnancy. And when the child is born, they come back. Again, so I won't belabor the point, but clearly these result in multiple abuses and basic human rights violations and unfortunately, largely go unreported, since no one reports it, fearing a social backlash. Besides, it may not even stand in the court of law, since it was done by consensus. Remember, a formal agreement, arrangement, two parties agreed to this. It's like saying, well, you get a job, but then now you're disagreeing to work the way your boss wants you to work. How does that help? So it's either my way or the highway. And the woman has no choice but to quietly accept her fate simply because she doesn't have a plan B. Womankind. So it's not only men. Women are equal stakeholders in this inequality. Think of mother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, mothers, daughters, prospective brides. Each play a role in this multi-star cast 
Pottweiler, dominating mother-in-laws. Remember Ms. Lalita Pawar, the quintessential badass mom-in-law of yesteryears? What a brilliant actor she was. Every time she came on screen, people identified her with their own mother-in-law. And therefore, the subtext being that mother-in-law's mother-in-law by design is a monster or someone who's oppressive, who's dominant. Where does this come from? This stems from a very peculiar anomaly. It's like what you inherit is what you pass on. So if a typical bride who gets married into a family goes through a lifetime of being subservient to the patriarch and therefore uh, becomes bitter and you know transforms herself into the way the family the patriarchal family thinks and therefore becomes quite masculine in her femininity if you will and therefore when the new bride comes along clearly there's a time lapse of say 30 years 40 years or what have you times have changed and she cannot therefore accept the way the daughter-in-law operates and therefore that is the root of the conflict and therefore she there is a pull and push that if I have done it this way, why can't you also do it the same way? So for those who are educated, they try and rationalize it a bit, but the ego never goes off. But those who are not educated, they just don't understand. And then they forced, force themselves or the force their daughter-in-laws to fall in line. And therefore, it compounds the complexity of the woman in the house. In fact, give an example that many women argue that think of those hoity-toity women who go to work you know those modern women with a job do they really have a happy married life you know there's an economic angle to this most of them think that they are better than men and they develop an ego that they are superior and they have huge inflated egos but what is the net of it what happens the marriage results in a divorce is that not the case in the more developed Western world? Does Therefore, India has much lesser divorce rates than the Western world. One can always argue, is that a better equation or a worse equation? We will never know. But the argument is, how can you keep the ma marriage intact? In which case, going back to the top of our argument, well, you adjust. And so women also propagate this imbalance of utility, this imbalance of your being that if this is what being a woman you therefore have to accept the way of the world and so friends this anomaly rages on in various arrangements in various places across and various society levels it is independent of the financial strata even the rich and powerful have similar uh, situations the middle class clearly has it and the lower class, absolutely. And when I say class, I mean by way of financial class, not in any other way. And so friends, in conclusion, I'd like to say it's impossible to capture all aspects of arranged marriage. It is, But it is very important we discuss and debate this, these thoughts with our families, with our loved ones, with our partners, and aim to be a better society, a better group of people living and loving each other, coexisting with dignity and respect. I don't think it's too much to ask. And knowing well that we are wired differently, not just as a man and a woman, but a man and a woman from different families grow up in different circumstances and therefore find a mid, mid path 
to respect each other and coexist, each giving the other the adequate space to develop and grow and be happy. Therefore, it ties back to my original comment at the top of this discussion was, is there a pattern or a template for a successful marriage? I guess there isn't one. It's absolutely organic and unique the way it grows to each one of us. What works for some may not work for the other. And so it's best to trust your instinct. Yes, if you make a mistake, be smart enough, be strong enough to admit that and keep moving forward and ensure that we learn from history. That's how we as intelligent beings evolve as a society. There's no point in us going back to, say, 1920 in the year 2020 in the name of tradition. So friends and all the married couples and those about to get married, best of luck with your lives ahead. Be happy and be peaceful. Well, that's all for this episode of the Gyanban Experience. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed sharing it with you. I'm here to listen. If you need to talk, just send me a note on hashtag Gyanban, that's on Twitter, or look me up on Facebook, that's G-Y-A-N-B-A-N-N at gmail.com. So friends, until we meet next week, stay calm, stay cool, whether you are wise, woke or wobbly. This is your host GB, signing off. Ciao.